Hello everybody and welcome to our first episode of Africa Carifu for 2021. In the spirit of the name Carifu, I am actually recording this episode from the Carifu next to my house in Cameroon. This is very exciting. Finally, we all made it to 2021 after what was undoubtedly the longest and most unprecedented year of our lives. 2020 will forever go down in history as the year of COVID-19, where the world turned upside down. As it is at the beginning of every new year, we take stock of our lives. We take stock of what happened the year before, and then we set up new new year resolutions. Personally, I'm not a fan of new year resolutions, but that's a story for another day. Partly because most of the resolutions that we start in January, by the middle of February, we've you know fallen back to our old habits. However, for this episode, it is fitting that we look back at some of the lessons of 2020 and what we can learn from it. History, as they say, repeats itself. So in this episode, I will try to do a recap of 2020, and it is by no means an exhaustive list. This only has to do with certain things that are pertaining to Africa. Like I said earlier, 2020 will forever be described as the year of the deadly pandemic of our lifetime. When the pandemic started, there were lots of things that were in flux. There were lots of uncertainty. There were lots of unknown. Economies shut down. Lockdowns happened everywhere. As a result of all this uncertainty and the resources that were needed, I released an earlier episode titled, What in the World is Going On? Where I talked about some of the challenges that the pandemic uh, might have for Africa in particular. In that episode, I talked about the fact that, yes, Africa is no stranger to outbreaks. You know, we only need to go back a few months and look at the most recent one that the continent faced, which was the Ebola outbreak. But the continent was hailed truly for the way it was able to handle that. That's in part because we are used to having these events. And so we have systems in place. But in that episode, I talked about some three lessons that I think Africa can learn from the pandemic. And lessons that I thought at the time Africa needed to learn so as to prepare for the next pandemic. Because... As it is right now, studies have shown us that we are going to have another pandemic. Now, I'm not sure if it will happen in our lifetime, but we're going to experience one. I talked about the need for development of our healthcare infrastructure because what we have seen now with COVID-19 is the fact that people need to stay on all these respirators. Even in the advanced economies like the United States, we had shortage of these machines not to talk of Africa, where an entire country might only have one. And in such a case, who do you prioritize and who do you not? So it made sense. We need an investment in healthcare infrastructure, despite the pandemic, but the pandemic only highlighting the need for such investment. The second lesson that I talked about was that of pandemic preparedness. The fact that even though we are used to outbreaks, we do not have mechanisms and systems in place to be able to, you know, prepare for a pandemic. 
And finally, I talked about investment in research. The fact that we need to invest in basic science because now more than ever before, I can tell you guys this, it feels good to be a scientist because I think that for the most part, a lot of the work that scientists do are behind the scenes because they do not have such big fanfare and a lot of them are what some would call mundane experiments that we have to repeat over and over again just to get to a conclusion and to be certain about what is going on. We finally found out that we needed our scientists to step in and help us to be able to get out of this pandemic. And boy, did the scientists pull through with the development of vaccines in such, such short period of time and all the work that they have done. I mean, not just the scientists, but the health professionals. It is something that we truly need to applaud. And it truly tells us what happens when we deliberately and intentionally invest in science. While these points are still valid uh, and the fact that African countries need to heavily invest in healthcare infrastructure as well as in research, I was wrong in some of my earlier assessment. Because yes, I did acknowledge that all we need to do is to have one person infected and say that one person goes into the market in one of our African countries. And that is it. That is it because there'll be no other way we'll be able to withstand that. But boy, was I wrong. And I'm happy that I was wrong. Boy, was I wrong. And I'm actually happy that I was wrong. So let me explain this to you. In 2020, I had the opportunity to travel back to Africa, to my home country, Cameroon, twice. Once in October and once in December. Now, by October, we already knew what was happening with COVID. At least we had an estimate from the rest of the world. We were seeing infectious rate being reported and recorded. Yet, African countries were recording some of the lowest infection rates. Yes, the African countries were reporting these low infection rates. And so it it begged the question, what is it that Africa is doing or most of these African countries are doing that is actually working that the people are not, you know, getting the infections rate that we're seeing coming out of the United States, Europe, Asia, and all were not. This realization wasn't really the intent of my trip. I must, let me just put that out there. But when I was traveling back home in October, I began connecting some of the dots. And it really didn't come to me until I was returning back to the U.S. from my first trip in October. So what do I mean by this? Before I left the U.S. and went to Cameroon, after buying my flight, I got the notification that the Cameroonian government required me to test positive. uh, Sorry. I got the notification that the Cameroonian government required me to test negative for COVID-19 before I'll be allowed to board the plane. And my test, my negative test had to be within 72 hours of my entry into Cameroon. 
So I got myself prepared here from the US, got my 72 hour, got, got my test result. And I was excited because, hey, I'm negative. I'm going back home and going to see my people. Upon arrival in Cameroon, even though I had been asked for my result before I boarded the plane in the United States, when I was transiting in Europe, I got asked that before they allowed me to board to my final destination. Arriving in Cameroon, the Cameroonian authorities took nothing to chance. It's not that they didn't believe my COVID test result. Maybe they did believe it, but they said, or they do that for everyone that comes in, everybody that came off the plane had to get tested for COVID-19 again at the airport. And you will only be allowed entry into the country if you tested negative. I mean, as we all know, and as it was widely reported in the news media that the COVID-19 results or test results were, are very easy to fake. People have made results at home, even though they had never gone to get tested. Some people tested positive, but somehow were able to get negative results and all were not. I began to realize that a small African country took nothing for chance. They tested us at the airport. It was an inconvenience because at the time, to me, once you've traveled from here to Cameroon, sometimes these trips take you 24 hours, 36 hours, depending on the flight you take and the path and all or not. And so it's very exhausting. And besides, most of them land in Cameroon around 10 p.m. And so by the time you're landing so late, you're already exhausted and then you have to wait a few hours because you're not the first one and you're not the only one they have to deal with. So it was pretty, pretty exhausting. But it was something that the country had in place and it was something they were not willing to budge on and they were not giving favoritism to anyone. So now, what if you tested positive, right? What if I showed up with a negative result but then tested positive? Now I'm in Cameroon. What are they going to do? They're not just going to put me on a plane and ship it back. But the country had places where they were going to quarantine you. So if you tested positive, you're going to be put in a, in a hotel that they had reserved and all of that. And you are going to be quarantined there for 14 days until you came out of it testing negative. So now I'm in Cameroon, I'm there, I'm excited, I've done what I had to do and I now have to board the plane on my way back. My first thought and assessment was that the same sort of entry procedures that were administered to me on my way to Cameroon, I will face likely something similar on my way back to the United States. After all, the U.S. is a more advanced economy. It's a bigger country, has more money. If a small African country can do this, certainly the United States of America would be able to do this. This is when everything started making sense to me about why African countries recorded such low numbers. It was on my return and my return back to the U.S., in preparation for my return trip back to the U.S., I did the same thing that I did to prepare from the U.S. going back to Cameroon. I went and got tested 
got my test result thinking that I was going to get asked the same uh, questions and I was going to go through the same likely set of rigorous entry requirement because we're doing a pandemic. But that wasn't the case. I left Cameroon, transited through Europe, arrived in America, and honestly, no one asked me about a negative COVID test. Arriving back at the airport in the US, there was no rapid test there at the airport to be able to make sure that those who were coming in are testing negative for COVID-19. Yes, there was a one line of questioning that you get asked if you've been into any place in the last 30 days, you've been sick or what have you, if you've been to one of those countries that have recorded some of these high infections rates and all whatnot. But the system was an honor system. It is bound to happen that because it's an honor system, people are going to come and they're going to lie. For example, if I get asked if I've been sick in the last 30 days or have been to one of those countries with high infections rate in the last 30 days and I said no, what proof or what system is there for that custom officer to say that I am lying? There really isn't. It is my word and the fact that I am somebody to be trusted but I could be somebody who is lying. And it was there for me on my return back to the U.S. that I began to realize why the infection rates were so high in America. Because we had a lax system, we had a laissez-faire type system on, at our ports of entry. But yet the poor African countries were taking nothing to chance. They, were, they did not trust the results that were all coming in with. And so they said they're going to verify to make sure that at least to the best of their abilities, reduce the amount of cases that were coming into the country. And then I began to realize, and this is where everything connected for me. The African countries may not have the infrastructure in place, but they have simple measures that were set in place and those measures were able to help curb the spread of the disease in Africa. And that is and this exactly is why Africa as an entire continent has reported the lowest infection rate for COVID-19. Because one, just my country Cameroon, it's not a very rich country, but the simple measures of making sure that People were coming into the country because that is especially the folks that were being exposed, um, likely to a lot of this virus are the ones coming back. They're making sure that these folks, we can at least know who they are, know where they've been. We have a test of the result. We have an address of where they're going to be staying so we can at least start to track the things down. But on my way back to America, that was missing. No wonder America is the global leader for COVID-19 infection rates. For the first time, as it turns out, to have had all this series of outbreaks that the continent and a lot of us went through as kids and our countries have faced was actually a good thing. 
because it helped inform us on how we can deal with the pandemic and with such unprecedented health crisis. Again, yes, our economies have taken very, very big blows and have taken deep dive in the negative direction. But in terms of keeping the population safe to the best of their ability, the African countries at least are doing a very good job. And this is something that I missed in my initial assessment about COVID-19 in Africa. Because at the time, I was just thinking of infrastructure, money, and all whatnot. Forgetting that in this particular instance, African countries have experience. And that experience is what really counts. And that experience, they put it into action and that is what actually mattered at the end of the day in helping keep the rates so low that it is manageable. Now, this raises up another question and one that likely is in your mind right now. If African countries have been so successful at lowering the curve in their various countries, why then is the rest of the world not copying the African example? Why then is the rest of the world not looking to Africa and saying, hey, something there is working, what is it that is working, and how can we implement that here? Now, that is a million-dollar question, and I wish I had an answer for that. And I'm sorry that I do not have an answer for that particular question. I mean, but all I can do is speculate and, you know, I don't want to turn this podcast into a platform of speculations and conspiracy theory, but I think it is high time that African countries step up their game, that African countries start blowing their trumpet loud and start telling their stories and telling the world some things that and some lessons that they have learned. Yes, we may not be wealthy. Yes, we may not have all the funds. We may be poor. Most of our countries build their budgets based on foreign aid. Yes, we have all this dysfunction. But there are some things that we get right. There are some things that we've managed and miraculously been able to get right. And I think that we have a duty to the world to tell them what those things are. And I know the world might be skeptical, right? You know, where we, what does Africa have to tell us? This is something that goes, you know, far back. I remember my very first experience at university here in the United States where whenever I had opinions or whatever I had thoughts and ideas to share, I was always brushed off by like, you know, what, what would this kid from Africa have to say? You know, he's from Africa. He doesn't know anything. Honestly, going through this question of asking ourselves, what can Africa tell the world? And if Africa is of any importance to teach the world anything, is like asking the question of, is my hand more important than my head or my leg or you know, the body parts just arguing about who has more relevance than the other. But if one thing the pandemic has taught us 
is that countries all have to work together and it is high time that everybody comes to the table and look at everyone as an equal and be able to respect the opinions and the lessons that everyone has to share because what we are fighting be it in this pandemic or be it in the next pandemic is one that is going to affect us all again if you remember the pandemic or the outbreak or this disease let's say before it became an outbreak but this disease started in one country and in the span of i guess a blink of an eye the entire world was brought to its knees and so highlighting the importance for us all to work together today i will end this episode with the words of the former and first president of Ghana Kwame Nkrumah when Nkrumah and his guys or his crew were working on the independence of Ghana they were asked a question in a Nkrumah himself was asked this question in a BBC interview he was asked why is it that the flag of the new republic that you are proposing has a black star in it can you explain that Nkrumah's answer left the journalists speechless and i think even the world at the time was likely shocked to hear the response from this guy krumer said we put a black star on ghana's flag so as to tell the world that even a black star can shine and that is a lesson for us all today africa may not be the economic giant african countries may be plagued with all what not but they still have a very important role and a lesson to teach the world so there is it for my assessment of 2020 tell me what you think i know like i mentioned earlier it would not be an exhaustive list because of there are lots of things that happened in 2020 but the one big thing that occupied the 2020 agenda for the world was covid-19 so tell me what you think i would love to read your comments and i am very happy for all the comments and for all the insights i've been receiving on this podcast i do appreciate every single one of them and so let us know and i'll be sure to highlight it here at the carefull but until next time thank you for joining us at the carefull